Welcome to Inflection Point Podcast, where we cultivate change from the inside out as we ponder the Cairo question. Will Cairo have to protest in his lifetime for the birthright to freely and peacefully exist in the skin in which he was born. We stand on the belief that dismantling racism goes beyond laws and legislation or politics and economics. Here, anti-racism activation is presented as an inside job where personal transformation and accountability impact social change. So take a seat at the anti-racism activation table with Inflection Point Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to the newest episode of Inflection Point Podcast, where we are dedicated to the art of listening and authentic conversation. We challenge our audience to listen actively and intentionally for the purpose of self-awareness, understanding, and ultimately personal transformation. I'm your host, Anita Russell, and here's a hello from co-host Mavis and Gail. Hi there, I'm Mavis Bauman. Welcome. Hi, I'm Gail Hunter, and welcome to tonight's program. Excellent, excellent. So if you've been following us for the last episode or so, you know we've introduced this new topic, and that new topic is generational leaders, historical and contemporary. And the question that we're focusing on is how does the Ghanaian principle of Sankofa empower generational leadership? So we're doing a series under the umbrella title of the Sankofa Generational Leadership Continuum. And the way I define that is this way. The Sankofa Leadership Continuum is a through line that runs from historical leaders of the past to contemporary leaders of the present to those who will emerge as future leaders melding together historical and contemporary reality. This through line inspires activism, art, literature, ethnography, and research to fuel transformation. So I have two quotes from you from from, uh, Nelson Mandela. The first one says, for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. And then secondly, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. And so when I think about those two quotes coming from Nelson Mandela, who is one of our past uh, leaders and the impact that he had on the world, not just in the work that he did specifically in South Africa, but he impacted the whole entire world. So I like that idea of living in a way that respects and enhances the freedom for yourself, but also for the freedom of others. And when I think about this idea of Sankofa leadership, that really resonates with me. So um, we are very blessed and very fortunate, and I'm so incredibly happy to have a special guest with us today. His name is Mr. Jaquan Lavender. He is one of those contemporary leaders that I'm talking about and thinking about as I unwind this thing called the Sankofa Leadership Continuum. He is the founder of the Jaquan Lavender Foundation in Steubenville, Ohio, and I met him totally at random, um, we, he had uh, a job where he was working in downtown Pittsburgh. We're, we're in Pittsburgh right now. 
And my office was right around the corner from where he was working. And mm -hmm. I decided one day that I wanted to go check out this. It was a private club. And I thought I wanted to go check out this uh, private club. And lo and behold, when I got there, I met Jaquan Lavender. And I was just so immediately impressed with who he is, how he speaks, how he carries himself, and the way that he talks about the work that he does. Not that work where he was in this space of doing this membership thing, but the work that he does outside of that, because that work is what is contributing to the Sankofa continuum, continuum of leadership that we're talking about here. So Jaquan, why don't you say hello and just give us a quick uh, understanding of who you are, like what is your personal story? Yes, so uh, thank you for having me on the show. Um, my name is Jaquan Lavender, the president of Jaquan Lavender Foundation, um, whereas Jaquan Lavender Foundation and Journey to Gold. So where we got the Journey to Gold was me pertaining to my journey to the Olympics, um, chasing a gold medal. So I made a hashtag on social media called the Journey to Gold Continues. So we actually added that into the foundation and we broke it down in an acronym where it's great opportunity, lift dreams. And we apply that to opportunities as in helping young men, helping young women in our community, um, serving uh, adults, anyone that needs to be served, that's that's our opportunity to live someone's dream. But um, how I got started was my Olympic dream um, in track and field. I didn't make it to the Olympics for track, but I made the rookie team for Winter Olympics for skeleton. So it was a different twist in my journey, but you know, um, very, very great journey but I'm no longer an athlete, um, always be an athlete at heart, but no longer an athlete, just, you know, full-time servant for God and just serving my community. So tell me a little bit more about how did you even get to that place of going out for the Olympics? Like, what is that story that really defines who Jaquan as an individual actually is? 2012, when I seen the Olympics in high school, um, the Rio, Rio Olympics, I believe it was, London Olympics, I'm sorry, London Olympics. And I seen that people were running around the track, just like I do, for a certain amount of time and win a gold medal. And I was like, I love the concept of that. So that very night, I went on a, a long run with my brother, and it's this big hill called Sunset. And it's like a long, steep hill, I believe, for like a mile and a half. And I remember like running that hill that night, just just motivated. And I carried that Olympic mindset from high school to college into when I got to the actual professionals. So a lot of I was different and I never understood why I was different until I got older. And, you know, people will call me weird or they'll call me a punk because I never wanted to hang out with them. And, you know, they would be the ones that say, oh, let's go hang out with these girls that like nah, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a just go home and then you can only imagine what they would say about me. But I would never let it bother me. I would just shake it off. And I, I just never knew until I got to this point and I was like, ah, it makes sense. And those same people that call me weird are the same people that's reaching out like, how can I get like you? How can I help you? How can I help you mentor these young men? And now I'm mentoring them <laughs> because they're watching me. So it's it's funny how things turn, come back in full tuition. So, yeah. 
Excellent, excellent. So when you think of leadership, do you see yourself within that context of leadership? And if the answer is yes, at what point in your life did you really begin to see yourself as a leader? Definitely high school, um, carrying the whole track team since sophomore year. I played a big role and mm. you know, my coach would be like, you're, you're that guy, you're the, you're the fastest runner that I have and you have the grit and you have the grind. And when you come here and work, they're going to follow you. So once once I started getting to my senior year, that's when everyone really started to follow me. Like, hey, I want to be like you. I said, don't be like me. You know, when I'm gone from this team, be better than me. Break my records. Don't don't be like Jaquan Lavender. Only Jaquan Lavender can be like Jaquan Lavender. You can't be like me. So I once I got off the college, it got better. And then once I got to professionals, it got 10 times better. But I, I just always watch, um, you know, the best of the best. I've been around the best of the best. I've been around. Nike athletes, world record holders, Michael Johnson, um, LaShawn Mary, English Gardner. I've been around the best of the best. The only thing different is they have the accolades. I didn't have the accolades. And, you know, I always say if you cut their skin and you cut my skin, hmm. don't bleed. There's there's no difference, just the, the awards. And we know that awards don't matter. It's just, you know, who are you? What is, who, who are you truly? What is your character? What is your integrity? That's what people remember, not your awards. Yeah, so Mavis and Gail, your your thoughts or comments on what you're hearing so far from Jaquan? Yeah, I mean, I love how you allowed yourself to just be present enough to grow and to um, be patient enough, right? And to not be too judgmental and critical. And I'm sure you were to some extent. I always felt like an alien in my family, so I totally get what, what you're feeling. Um, and I probably am to, to many extent, but you listen to something inside of you and that intuitive voice inside, which is so crucial for anyone, for all of us. And that's what then became um, what was really supporting you and becoming that leader that you are today. So I mean, I honor you because that's just incredible. Thank you. Yeah, your journey. Yeah. So and did you, did you see, excuse me, Anita, did so you see it, yourself as a leader before the <clears throat> coach who said, if you run, they'll follow you? Did you, did you have leadership in your head or did you even think about it? Sometimes I, we get pushed to the front, whether we, whether we intend or not. Is that what I, happened? I did to an extent. I was used to being in the spotlight from a kid to now. Um, which sounds very weird. I just feel like <laughs> as a kid, I've been being watched. Like people will always watch me closely and criticize me closely. And once oh. I got to high school, like I was saying, he he seen something inside of me. I didn't really see it until he said it. So it mm. takes the right person to bring it out of you. So once he brought it out of me, I began to get confident every year. And then once my senior year, I was the man. Sorry to say it like that, but I was the man. Yeah. Yeah. You had to own it, yeah. Well, that and they, they speak that faith into you. I'm sure that's what you're doing with the people that you work now. Right. You recognize, I love the words grit and grind. And then being around the best, you know, I I am to a large part because of who I've been around, like my podcast mates here, you know, mm -hmm. to you you become elevated that way. And it sounds like, you know, you're just doing that and it's 360 way so 
Well done. Well, I just love hearing your story. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you so- You own it, don't you? You still had to get to a place where you could own that, that this is who I am, mm -hmm. right? And then step into that even more so. But sometimes we all need that mirror of somebody saying to us, I see this in you. And you do that with the kids you probably work with, right? The teenagers and the young adults. Um, you see in them what, what your coach saw in you, right? And maybe in a different area, different um, part of who they are. But you see it. Yeah. So when I think about um, when I think about this conversation that you are in, engaging in right now, and we're having this uh, conversation about leaders, I think it's very, very common that people like what like let's just think about Harriet Tubman. Everybody knows the work that Harriet Tubman leading the Underground Railroad, but I would be willing to bet that she never really thought about herself as a leader as she was doing what she was doing. So I think it's really interesting um, when people are called to do a certain thing that mm -hmm. it isn't until somebody points it out, like what Jake Kwan is just um, uh, sharing, that somebody else points out that you're behaving like a leader or you're showing leadership potential. Because oftentimes the person is doing, just doing what they've been called to do. And, and then eventually, yeah, eventually it becomes defined as you you have the influence and people are listening to you. People are willing to follow you, but we don't necessarily see ourselves or define ourselves in that type of definition. Sometimes it just takes somebody else to see it within us. You mentioned, Jaquan, when you're younger that you were always kind of being noticed, but not necessarily in a positive way. That your you felt more criticism or um, po positive and negative. I would go with the negative first because yeah, so it's always being watched because, like I was saying, that mm -hmm. they wanted to go hang out with their friends. Right. Yeah. It was a good environment to go hang out with, or they wanted to go hang out with girls at the time, which wasn't mm -hmm. good. They weren't doing things that were in my interest. So when I knew something wasn't right. I will always feel like, hey, I'm, I'll, I'll sit at home. I'll yeah. play the PlayStation until y'all come back. It's not going to bother me. Mm -hmm. But a positive and a good note, people just knew something was in me. Mm -hmm. I remember someone saying, like, you special. Because they always say the way you smile. Oh, yeah. You have the million-dollar smile. Yeah. And I, 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 couldn't see it. I, see, yeah. I couldn't see it. And it, it reminds me about Moses. When Moses was like, when Jesus came to him in a burning bush, and when he said... Who should I tell him sent me? And he said, I am. But Moses had a speech impediment, so he stuttered when he talked. So he already felt like he wasn't qualified. But God qualified him before he knew he was qualified. So when he went to go free the people, just, just think about that. A nation. That's millions of people. One nation. One nation. Right. One did that. So I when we look at Martin Luther King, one man changed the world. Yeah, that's right. Which is a rights movement. So mm -hmm. just takes one to start it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And your programs that you have are so, I mean, they could be a template for every city. I mean, it's just, right. you have to talk about it and um, share what they are. Cause it really is pretty amazing what you've created. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. So we, we yeah. created it. Wait, um, Jaquan, before you go into that, I really right. want you to talk a little bit more about the role that your faith plays yes. in the work that you do. Because you mention it 
multiple times over the course of us, us getting to know one another, I knew right from the very beginning, this is a man of faith. So can you talk a little bit about how your faith plays a role in what you are currently doing? And then we'll follow up with a Gail's question to kind of start digging into what you do at Journey for Gold. Mm -hmm. Faith plays a big role in my life. Um, we know without God and the Holy Spirit, we won't be able to do what we do because he gives us the wisdom, the knowledge, the strength to do what we do every day. And, you know, the Bible verse, it says, it's because of him that I live, I move, and I have my being. So without him, we can't do nothing. And David said the best in Psalms. He said, I look to the hills, which come my help, because all my help is coming from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. So we know that my help come from the Lord. And uh, now he got me on the rant. Now he, he said, <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's uh, okay. Also, in the Bible, he said, um, I will look, I will, um, I will look up because you know, every good and perfect hit coming from above. So I just continue to look up and, you know, just keep God at the forefront. Mm -hmm. if God is working, who could be against me? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and when we met, that was, like I said, that was one of the very first things that I recognized within you. And then all the subsequent conversations that we had over the course of us, you know, becoming friends and and and, and all of that, that's the one thing that I was uh, often found most impressive about you because from there flows everything else that defines Jaquan. That's how I see it. Yeah. Excellent. So as a follow-up to uh, Gail's question, because she started leading into, so what do you do and how do you do it with the journey to gold and how did the foundation even really come to, into existence? Can you tell us about what that journey looked like? So 2020, we started the foundation. Um, I was strictly training for Olympics at that time. And I remember 2019 before I left college, um, I'm a late thinker and God dropped in my spirit, Jake Juan Lavender Foundation, and I locked that note. But in my head, I'm like, I don't know what to do with a foundation, but I knew I always wanted to help people. So the next year, 2020, a lady came to me, Miss Sandy Rue, who's a family friend. She said, God gave me a vision that we're gonna start a foundation in your name and we're gonna raise $100,000. So I thought back like, wow, that was the note I saved. And I was like, it's, it's really true. So we we established the, the foundation in 2020 of July and actually established completely on my granddad's birthday. Mm -hmm. And he died in 2018. So we were like, wow, this is amazing. So once we continued the foundation, we had meetings, but like I said, I didn't know what to do. And I was just so focused on training for the Olympics. And 2021, 2021 or 2022, my mom called me and was like, um, hey, it's time to come back home. And this was the time I was in Houston training. And I was like, for what? She said, it's time to get the foundation going. And I was like, nah, I don't want to come back to Stormville. It's, I love it here in Houston. You know, I'm training. I'm just steps away from the Olympics. Then she like, it's, it's just time to come home. So I end up getting COVID really bad, which forced me to come back home. Mm -hmm. So I, if I would have listened, I probably wouldn't have got sick. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to your mama. <laughs> <laughs> I got sick really bad and um, yeah. was down and out for like two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. And once I got over that sickness, just boom, everything just started clicking for the foundation. And you know, I started building a board team. 
um, I actually had a job at LA Fitness and I met a guy named Randall Lucas and he was traveling from Maryland back and forth at the time. And I was telling him like, I'm about to leave this job and focus on my foundation. He said, man, let me hear about it. So like, just like I had did my spill at Rivers Club, the Miss Anita, same mm -hmm. thing I did. And he was like, man, that's a good vision. And he'd been on my board team since. And that's like my right hand, man. He's always helping me out. And now um, we're in the high school here in Steubenville, the middle school. Um, we actually just had a meeting with the school district in Houston, Texas. And we're looking to serve about 64,000 uh, kids for our program. Um, we're looking to serve at Point Park University now. So it's, it's a lot of different things that's happening now um, that if you told me this three years ago, I would have looked at you like, yeah, right. I, I wanted to break the world record. I wanted to be a Nike athlete mm -hmm. and I wanted to be a gold medalist. And that was my three goals. Mm -hmm. And I really wasn't trying to hear nothing other than that. And it took God to really sit me down. Like, listen, mm -hmm. it's, it's not for you. Like I, 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 I loved it. I love track and field. I, I love the, the passion. I love the feeling of, you know, exhausting myself. I love the feeling of going overboard. And that's what made me mentally strong. But mm. I went on a fast. And uh, I told Miss Anita, I went on a fast. And I said, God, if the Olympics for me, let your will be done. If it's not, let your will be done. So I fast for a week. I didn't hear nothing. And the very next, the very last day of the fast, I woke up and I was about to go train, preparing for breakfast. He said, you can't, put, you can't compare a gold medal to a gold crown. And I was like, ah. Yeah, can't turn that one down. <laughs> I couldn't say nothing after that. Right. So you know what I said? I'm I'm done. That was the answer I was waiting for. Yeah. So what, what did I say? Wow. So yeah. after that, that's when I officially retired. Um, wow. It hurt. Like I cried in silence. Wow. Like, I was frustrated. I, you you I had was to like, grieve, right? You oh, were yeah. grieving for so yeah. long. You had to grieve the loss of that then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just, how much you knew that you were going a different direction, right? Oh, if if I would have knew that four years ago, I would have been like, we we could just end it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't want it to come to an end. I always wanted to do this for if I could a lifetime, but wasn't in his plan. So Jaquan, can you talk a little bit about how because um we're gonna be taking a break shortly. And in the next uh, segment, I'd really like you to dig a little bit deeper into your foundational uh, principles and objectives and all that sort of thing. But can you talk a little bit about why or how you would think you think you were led in the direction of dealing with youth in particular? Mm, it's it's because I I can relate very closely to them, not mm. because of age, because I've been through it. Like I I've seen my closest friends die in the street. I've, it's crazy to say, I've, I've been to uh, parties that was very inappropriate at a young age when I was in fifth grade, sixth grade. I've been around people that smoke weed that over, I've been around it all and I've seen it all. And it was times that I wish I never seen it, but it was a reason why I seen it now because I can go back to the to these neighborhoods and be like, hey, you know, smoking weed, you only gonna pit a short amount of time in your life when you're doing that. and you know, people are shooting up fentanyl and everything now, but I had to really understand the the gang life because we called ourselves gang members 
um, when we were in fifth and sixth grade, and there was about 30 to 40 of us, and we would go to Walmart and steal and fight at the movie theaters and get chased by the cops, hopping fences. And you would never expect that from me, but I, I've seen it all and I've been through it all. And then, you know, this little, this little small town Stewingville is, it's not helpful. You have people in the small town syndrome mindset where they just stuck. They just feel like this is it. And they, they don't want to grow. And then once someone like me come around, they're looking like, we get it, but we actually don't get it because it's going out one ear and out the other. So it's it's about reaching the right crowd. And if they oppose to it, oh, well, and the people that want to hear it, they'll hear it. It'll stick. Yeah, that's right. Mm. That's a really powerful way of uh, expressing it because that's how I feel in the anti-racism work that I do. I feel like my role is to put that information out there to give people the opportunity to broaden their own understanding of some of the issues and the problems that are related to inequity and racism and things like that in this country. But at the same time, I'm not here to try to force it on people. I'm not here to argue about it or debate about it. I'm looking for those individuals who take what I say and are ready to use that as a way for them to make a choice as to what kind of action do I want to take in this resistance uh, this resistance process. Because when everything that you just said and this whole conversation about leadership and, and all of that, that's exactly the choice that you made. What am I going to do? What kind of action am I going to take as part of the resistance to break down some of those strongholds in our communities, um, things you mentioned, like the drug uh, issues and the um, gang issues and that that uh, resultant violence and, and, and all of that, everybody gets to make a choice as to how am I going to deal with that? Am I going to accept that and just kind of go with the flow of that because I can't see anything else? Or am I going to convince myself that there is something else and that I need to break away from that stronghold to be able to do something different in my life? So I think we have about uh, two more minutes. Gail, Mavis, um, before we go to break, any comments on where the conversation is in this moment? Um, you know, uh, Jaquan, I think uh, you just said uh, something in an interview I just listened to actually where you said, there's always something next. There's always something else. Don't have the belief that the situation you're in now is all there will ever be. Do I characterize your words right? That there, that there is a way to grow. There's a way to change. There's a way, you know, like through your mentorship, um, through the programs you have for kids. It's a whole different world that you introduce them to. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was a um, uh, really poignant because often, you know, I remember being, you know, in high school and uh, the smallest thing you think the world has just ended. <laughs> so when you've got people with the flashlight like you, you know, pulling people along, speaking faith into them, it's just so powerful. And even if they don't get it right then, they've got it in them somewhere they'll hear your words you know at some point 
Yeah, don't ever underestimate that moment, that imprint that you right. leave. I mean, even if they can't do anything with it, as you have found out, it's still there. And whenever they're ready, it will get activated. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so we're gonna, we're Let gonna those that can follow you follow. Yeah. We're going to take a very, very <laughs> short break at this point. But Gail, I want you to, and, and I'm sorry I had to interrupt you, but I'm yeah. just trying to keep the, the, the timing of flowing correctly. So hold that thought. Okay, so that when we come back after the break, we can continue the conversation. Have you been on life's roller coaster trying to figure out what to do next? Then join Greta, Lee, Yvonne in the Realm of Beings each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Shake the dust off your wings and fly to the highest heights in your thoughts and actions. Express your greatness. Be a champion for yourself. And we'll see you there on Shifting Impressions Conversations with the Realm of Beings. Imagine what it would be like to turn your pain into purpose. Tune in to Transformation with Martinet every second and fourth Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Martinet and her guests are here shining their lights today through empowering stories of hardship and transformation. Begin to see your life in a new light. Visit MartineEmmons.com and tune in every second and fourth Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific to Transformation with Martinet. Hi everyone, Dr. Pat here, host of The Dr. Pat Show. For about 20 years, you've heard me talk about silver and the importance of silver. I've been looking upside down and sideways to find silver that was the highest quality, and I think I've found it. No, actually, I know I found it. I discovered this in my own healing journey, and that's what we used for me. Amio Life has the most advanced silver available today. All things that harm our health is what it takes care of. Now, I thought I'd seen it all because I've been on this journey for 20 years with silver, but I've not quite found anything like Amiolife. The folks and our friends at Amiolife have put together a special discount for your first purchase of 20% off. Amiolife.com. A-M-E-O-Life.com. Remember to give them a call. Tell them Dr. Pat sent you at 1-800-422-8148. I've already sent it to my naturopath. What are you connected to? Or what are you disconnected from? Tune into the Connected Conversation with Brett Hill on TTRlive.com and learn how to avoid unnecessary suffering and activate your mind-body connection. Step into a life that works for you. Flourish and express our natural creativity and exuberance as you learn how to look deep within and find your natural allies and connect authentically with yourself, others, and the world. To learn more, visit theconnectedconversation.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Inflection Point Podcast on Transformation Talk Radio. And I'm so happy to uh, uh, just kind of go back to the conversation that we were having with our featured guest, Mr. Jaquan Lavender, a contemporary leader and founder of the Jaquan Lavender Foundation 
in Steubenville, Ohio. So before we went on break, Gail was about to make a particular comment about some things that we were uh, discussing. So Gail, I wanna give you the opportunity to finish out your thought. Okay. Um, I think I was talking about how, based on what you were saying about, yeah, you can say something to somebody, but if they can't hear it in that moment in time, they're not going to, but somebody might. And someday they also might remember that you said that. So don't ever doubt the imprint that you leave on somebody, even if they act like, you know nothing, you don't know anything about what they're going through, right? And even though you know that you do. Um, so it's always important to remember that and that there's always that door open, as you said, um, especially with young people that you're working with. You know, you remember back when you were 10, 11, 12 years old and, and where you were in that moment in time and where you are now. I mean, that's a huge transformation that you chose to allow to happen in your life. And you did choose it as much as you were choosing the Olympics. You then all of a sudden had a different choice presented to you, right? And you made another transformation in your life. And that one obviously is helping many kids. You know, mm -hmm. there's always another option, another choice. I can say the same thing to 10 people. They'll hear it differently or they'll hear it whenever they're ready to hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, Jaquan, do you share a lot about your personal experience with the kids that you mentor? I do. Um, you know, recently I started to open up about my suicide issue in 2016 when I was in college. Um, since we're on the air, I'll tell you yeah. about it. Um, in 2016, when I was at Point Park University in Pittsburgh, um, I had a lot going on. I was injured. Um, me and my coach was in a bad fallout, so I was in the process of transferring. I had a 1.8 GPA, and it just felt like everything I worked for just fell apart in just one day. So I remember going back to my my room, and luckily my roommate and his girlfriend was there. I said, you got a knife? He said, for what? I said, I'm about to commit suicide. And then their mouth just dropped like, huh? Oh, my gosh. I feel like that was the hardest I ever cried in my lifetime for like 30 minutes. Um, I remember oh, I was depressed yeah. for a week. I stopped going to class. I stopped going to practice. Mm. I was just sitting in the dark. I was just laying in the dark. I didn't want to be bothered. It was probably one, one of the lowest points of my lifetime. Mm -hmm. But I would start, I, I started to go back to church more. And I feel like every time I went to church, the pastor was just speaking right to me. I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you know what I'm going through? And it was just very uh, good that, you know, that God was still working on me. He was still developing me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once I start opening up more about that situation, people would, you know, be like, wow, I, I really commend you for speaking up about that because it's not an easy topic. It took me years to get comfortable talking about that. And, you know, a lot of people just think that what I went through as far as the Olympics, they think I had the, the golden path or the golden boy my whole life. And that's that's actually the hardest path because you have to face so much adversity and, you know, opposed to family members saying that you're not going to make it and mm -hmm. friends that, you know, don't support you. And they just feel like, you know, reposting your, your picture or something to support, which is it's support, but, you know, we... We need to do better than that if that's if that's what they call support. So, you know, a lot of a lot of adversity made me into who I am today. Well, Jaquan, I just want to thank you for being and having the courage to open up and share your story because, uh, to a great extent, that's what the work that I do, the work that Gail Mavis is all about, giving people that space to be able to share openly and honestly what their stories is, what their story is, particularly 
when there's a triumphant message embedded in that story as well. So I thank you very much for yeah. uh, sharing that. But I'd like to gear the conversation in a different direction. Now, uh, the Dracoan Lavender Foundation is kind of based on this journey of gold, which I look at as a philosophy. And gold is actually an acronym for Great Opportunities Lifts Dreams. So can you talk about um, what that means to you, this idea of great opportunities lifting dreams, and how did that then become this foundation that you're uh, a part of, and maybe even discuss some of the objectives of Journey to Gold? Well, our our main mission, um, as I explained, is to really um, to build prudent men and prudent women in life. Um, I take prudent from King Solomon from Proverbs. He talked a lot about the prudent man and the foolish man. And we know that the prudent man was the wise man. He would take heed to wisdom, uh, to counseling. He never would disregard it, but the foolish man would disregard everything. So my job is to really get these guys to understand that when someone's talking to you, listen. Even if you don't understand at the moment, just, just listen. You know, everyone wants to be quick to speak, but don't want to be listening, which they miss the point. So we have to really get these guys to understand that, you know, when someone's talking, shh, sit still for a second. You'll be okay. Don't look at your phone. You're not missing nothing on social media, I promise. But I, I, my biggest thing is, you know, manhood and fatherhood. And I think that's the difference between my program, um, my program between Steubenville, Pittsburgh, you know, a lot of people talk about the life skills and the typical things, which is great, but you need to get to the, the root of things and the mm -hmm. fatherhood and manhood is the, the biggest thing. And I was just talking to um, someone a couple of days ago and I said, man, it's a lot of men in this world that are sorry. And I say they're sorry because, sorry, I'm about to say this. They, they want the pleasure for 15 to 20 minutes with a woman but they don't want the responsibility so now that's a man in a boy's body yeah but now he he has a kid but he can go to the club and spend five thousand dollars but when a kid needs twenty dollars he opposed to it he got a car that's four hundred dollars and the rims is five thousand dollars but the mother needs child support mm -hmm. but now you got an attitude because the woman needs help so the these are the issues that we yeah. do you got men, 30, 40, 50, playing video games all mm -hmm. day. The woman going to work. Mm -hmm. She's doing a man's job, and God created her to be a woman and not a man. She is not supposed to, to be two roles at one time. Mm -hmm. The man is supposed to be there in the house. You, you can show tough love, but tough love only going to get somewhere. Tough love is, that's played out. You got to really sit down and say, hey, son, what can I do for you? How can I be a sir? How can I help you? How how do you feel mentally? A lot of fathers don't do that because they're prideful. And I'm teaching my guys, don't be prideful because when you become a father, you really gonna have to sit down and really learn your child. People think they know their child, but they really don't. Oh. And you know, your tone and your voice, that matters. And just saying, I love you goes a long way. Yeah. And if you think a lot of young men join gangs because mm -hmm. they need that affirmation. What did God say when Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist? He said, my beloved, my well and beloved son, who I'm well pleased, he affirmed him. Mm -hmm. 
So now I can only imagine how Jesus felt. He probably looked up to heaven like, it's time. So when you say something like that, I love you, son, it makes a man feel like, oh, I can do this. It's something about a man's presence. We know our mother going to be there. That's that's a natural love that we know mm -hmm. that we all need a mother's love. But it's something about when your father is there, you like, yeah, I can, I can really do this. Like say if someone was in the weight room and they had to do a hundred push-ups, and they got the 90 and they were like, oh, I'm tired. But as soon as you hear your dad voice, you can do it, son. Mm -hmm. You can do an extra 20. Mm -hmm. You feel invigorated. You feel like, oh, yeah, this is, this is it. So this is, this is what I'm saying that fatherhood is missing, manhood is missing. And I'm teaching boys to become men and mm -hmm. not just men, but prudent men because we're missing a lot of gentlemen. We're still young-minded you can be old you can be 60 year olds with with no wisdom and that's just to be honest i've been around them and it's sad to say they always send in the barbershop saying oh if i would have did this or always I, I always and i always tell my guys don't be that don't be the barbershop man be i said there's a barbershop man versus the blueprint man if you go into the mm -hmm. barbershop you want to tell these kids about the blueprint the blueprint is you're going to make it out of Stoneville and you're going to be successful. Don't be the barbershop man that sit there for hours drinking a pop and eating a fish sandwich saying, oh, back in my day, if I was your age, I would. That stuff don't matter no more. You're not, you're not helping no one become better. So if I went to the barbershop, I'm going to say, gather around. Let me tell y'all something. I did all this, this, and this, and this. And I tell you all this because you can do it too. Mm -hmm. If I'm from Stoneville, I walk mm -hmm. the same halls in Hardin Middle School, Stoneville Big Grade. I went to a small division two school. I went to a small NAI school. Think about how many odds was against me. I'm in a percentage where they like, you're not going to make it out because you're from a town of 18,000. Right. I, I took that and I said, okay, I'm going to prove you wrong. And now I'm in a five percentage because I made the USA rookie team. I got to sit in rooms with record holders, um, gold medalists, people that you would just mind blowing. It blew my mind. And I had to act professional because I was being a fanboy at the moment but I, I, was, I, I can't be a fanboy I got like I've been here before. yeah you so got you got <laughs> I, I say all that to say that my yeah. program was strictly to develop prudent men and to be strong men because when I'm long and gone someone's gonna have to carry this program mm -hmm. just like when David said uh mm -hmm. before he died he talked to King Solomon second Kings he said Show thyself a strong man. Mm -hmm. Before he dies, show thyself a strong man. Yeah. So I'm telling before I go, before this program is all said and done, young men, show thyself strong men, prudent men. You can do this. So having said that, Jaquan, one of the things that really kind of popped out at me as I was reading over the objectives and everything is this... Um, I think yeah, it's one of the objectives, the professional imaging, the brand of you. So mm -hmm. can you talk uh, about that, share with our audience what that is? Yes. So the, the brand of you is uh, me. So I'm, I am the professional image. So if they see me, so I'm going to use two different examples. If they see me like the modern day uh, rapper, a white t-shirt, sagging my pants, and... $3,000 pair of shoes, $3,000 pair of shoes, Louis Vuitton. 
they're gonna be like, oh, I want to be like that because he's the one leading us, and I want to follow him. But if I come in with a suit, a nice clean suit, a nice shave, nice haircut, presentable, that's the man I want to be. So it it all ties in because when you are the leader, they want to mimic you, the way you talk, the way you speak, the way you walk. Everyone's watching you. So the way I brand myself, I always go in with a suit at the high school, even though it's just a good hour talk with them. I still show myself in a suit because I want them to see that this is what success will look like. You got to dress for success. So that's the brand of you. Oh, I just want to sneak in here. When we talked before uh, the podcast tonight, you had mentioned something about bringing respect back mm. and just how you're teaching these young people to speak to adults. I am loving that. Can you just expand on that a little bit for listeners? Yes. So that, that was a podcast I did like three weeks, three, four weeks ago. Um, mm. I was saying that, uh, you know, kids don't have respect for their parents because they call their, their parents by their first names. Their parents' name were David or Michelle, they saying, hey, hey, Michelle, instead of, hey, mom, or hey, David, or instead of saying dad, they're, and it's sad because it's going both ways. It works both hands. They're comfortable with their parents because the parents want to be their best friend, which the parents should be the mental instead of trying to be their best friend. I see it all the time here. It's kids are going to the club with them, drinking, smoking weed. And I, I see it all the time on Facebook. They go on Facebook Live. They think it's funny. And it's it's actually not funny because now we got these younger the younger kids that's 20. They land their little five-year-old cuss and he know the whole uh the whole dictionary of cuss words. And that's sad. Everybody laughing. Ha it's it's not funny. Because now you you're making that little boy into a monster. Because by the time he gets to 10, he's gonna cuss out the whole family. And then you're telling him you're going to be just like your dad. You ain't going to be nothing. You're going to go right to jail. You're going to go right to the streets. And you're going to end up dead like him. Mm -hmm. He ain't. With, there. It's, it hurts. Because yeah. now you affirmed him with that. Now he think like, man, I'm going to be just like my dad. And it's sad because now that you put those thoughts in his head, he becomes it. Mm -hmm. Okay. You are changing and transforming a generational paradigm as a parent, as a, an adult, as a man, as a woman, whatever, right? You are really helping these young people do that. That's incredible. I asked God, I said, God, yeah. I said, God, make me the modern day Paul. I said, <laughs> I'm not scared. I'm not worried about what yeah. people do with me. Right. Long as I can be the light, well, not the light, but the to bear witness for you. Right. Tell people about the light, which is Christ, that I'm oh, doing. Let the light shine through. Yep. And all you, what you're doing is you're speaking truth, right? right. You're willing to risk that vulnerability and tell them the truth. That's and right. what you have learned, right? What you have known. I think you, you mentioned earlier something about 64,000 kids that you're reaching out to. Yes, ma'am. So I can't even do that math in my head. How you're doing that? <laughs> you have a staff of 100. Well, how are you doing that? That's the goal. Um, we know that the district has 64,000 kids. Oh. We, we don't know how many we will get. Yeah. I'm sure it will be. Um, 
thousands probably yeah that's just wonderful let's make it 64 million Uh, we've talked about just just what's happening especially to men in the world the the changes in our culture and how you are reaching into these young boys in terms of defining manhood again for them i just think that is so fabulous we'll be watching you in the news yeah <laughs> you are that model that they need to, yes, have to look up exactly. to and learn from, right? The they world don't have needs. You're being mm-hmm. that, and those that are working with you are, which is incredible. So, Jaquan, I want you to kind of project yourself into the future. And given the work that you're doing in this final like few minutes that we have, can you talk about where you ultimately want? What is it that you ultimately want to see, say, like 10 years from now, um, and you're looking back on the work that you've done with the foundation, the journey to gold, what are some of those things that you would like to see if you could project yourself into that 10 years from now, here are some of the things that we have accomplished, here are some, here Mm -hmm. is the difference that I've been able to make. So my goal in 10 years to have the program in every state in the United States and eventually in the world. So, you know, maybe just the first the first one that came to my mind is like Dubai or somewhere or Africa, somewhere like that, you know, but baby steps first um, here in the United States, definitely have centers almost in every state as well. Because eventually when I'm older, I always tell myself when I have a son, I'm gonna teach my son everything that I learned and he'll be the executive director of this foundation. So yeah. that's 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 my yeah. goal is to just prepare the way for my son that's going to be in this position one day. Mm. And I'm glad you mentioned the idea of kind of multiplying this or duplicating it across multiple communities because we've actually talked about yes. uh replicating what you do in Steubenville in the city of Pittsburgh. So that's a conversation that you, Gail, and I in in particular, but Mavis, although Mavis is in New Jersey, but (laughs) just kind of having that conversation because here's three people right here that, you know, the work that Gail does with uh, the OMA organization, the, you know, I've shared with you that leadership development program for youth that I put together. And so there are these synergies and that's what I like about the work that I see that's being done now in the anti-racism space and, you know, the personal transformation space and having these conversations is that these synergies are being developed and linked together. And those synergies are what give us the power at that grassroots level to push yes. up and uproot those things that have been held as holding us in bondage and captive for centuries. Yes. yes. And Jaquan, I mentioned to you that I have this organization uh, that works with genocide survivors in Rwanda. I already thought about you and speaking to these young people, many of whom lost their parents. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't raised, they didn't have role models. And oh man, they would just be they would be transfixed by you because they want to learn those things. They want to learn um, the respect, how to be in the world, how to speak, how to 
promote themselves and their skills, you know? Yeah, so we'll get you started in Rwanda. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, after Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you said at every other city, right? Yeah, right. You're going to do it. You are doing it. Thank Absolutely. You. And ironically, though, what get Mel, I'm sorry, what uh, Mavis just talked about is this whole thing of her work in Rwanda. The organization, uh, the woman that she's connected to, the name of her organization was Generations Impact. So it aligns so well with these conversations that we're having today, even though that organization came out of the, um, the ashes, if you will, of the genocide. But it was still this idea that we need to build up and, and pour into and nurture yes. young people today so that tomorrow these young people will be in a different space, a different conversations with one another, and that that will continue over the course of time. And hence this whole entire thing about this continuum of generational leadership. So I think we have like maybe about five more minutes. So uh, Jaquan, what are, oh, three more minutes. Okay, three more minutes. <laughs> Jaquan, what are those final things that you want to say to our audience, number one? And number two, what is your call to action? Uh, call out your website, whatever information you want people to have so that they can actually take some action towards understanding more about your organization or even getting involved with your organization. Mm -hmm. So I would say, um, since it just came to my mind, if you need help, don't be afraid to speak up. You know, we all need some help in some form or fashion. Um, number two, just, you know, just continue to learn every day. We don't know it all. Mm -hmm. Don't know it all. We, I'm, I'm learning every day. I'm glad I'm learning every day. I'm glad I'm not a know-it-all because I know a lot of people that's like that. Um, but if, if you're looking for a program, definitely reach out to me at um, jaquanlavenderfoundation.com or you can email me at jaquanlavenderfoundation at gmon.com or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, Jaquan Lavender. Um, excellent, excellent. Jaquan, it has been an absolute pleasure every time I have the opportunity to talk with you. I'm just like refreshed and, you know, <laughs> just ready to go out and conquer the world. So we're literally out of time. So to our audience, I'd like to leave you with this challenge quote from Nelson Mandela. It is in your hands to create a better world for all who live in it. So the question to you is this, meaning the, the audience, what are you willing to do to participate in creating a better world for all? This is the fundamental question in striving for equity. And so I want to thank you all, uh, our, our guest, uh, Jaquan Lavender, for joining us. And those of you who tuned in, I want to thank you. And we will see you the next time at Inflection Point Podcast here on Transformation Talk Radio. We are here every first and, every first and third Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. And we'll see you at the next episode. Thank you for listening to Inflection Point Podcast, where our mantra is cultivating change from the inside out. The journey towards anti-racism and social change doesn't stop here. 
truth, reconciliation, and healing come from ongoing, open, honest, and deliberate conversations. Continue to dive in and deconstruct your thoughts, ideas, and beliefs as we band together to manifest social change. Tune in to Inflection Point Podcast every first and third Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern here on TransformationTalkRadio.com for more conversations about how we can cultivate change from the inside out.